PFTOT Tuesday edition, the extra little bit of time where we talk about things we either didn't get to during PFT Live or that we would like to talk about a little bit more. And we've talked a lot about Antonio Brown, Chris, over the past few days, but it's the gift that keeps on giving. People are interested. I see the traffic numbers. I know where the interest is, and it is in how this Antonio Brown situation resolves. And for now, it's a little bit resolved. He's returning to the team today. We reported that during PFT Live. Whether or not that means he's going to be on the practice field anytime soon remains to be seen. But it's got to be good news, Chris, that a guy who, by all accounts, was AWOL a few days ago is going to be back in the fold as of today. Great news. I mean, you know, at least it just stops some of the circus surrounding the Oakland Raiders right now. It it takes away from coaches and players having to answer questions about a subject uh, I'm sure they're not comfortable with. Some of them probably don't know all the details of what's really going on. Uh, So now they can get back to football. And John Gruden can start using his guy if he can practice. You know, the next part of this that, you know, oddly we haven't talked about is we just we have no idea or feel for the status of his feet at this point. And because of the cryotherapy mishap and all that. So, yes, he's back in the facility. That's awesome. He'll be in meetings, all of that. But is it necessarily means he's back on the practice field? I guess we'll, we'll find out later today. Yeah, and uh, when he returns to the practice field, will he be wearing a shut air advantage that he has purchased on eBay or otherwise acquired? I, You know, the, this is something that all kind of fell together last night, and I have to give credit to Tim Fernandez. Chris, uh, Chris you've shamed me into finding the reader's name who alerted me Way to, go, Tim. to this issue. Tim, and, and it's amazing. He got in touch with Michael Oliver, the executive director and general counsel of NOCSAE. That's the body that certifies helmets every year. And Michael Oliver explained, hey, if we get a shut air advantage that is less than 10 years old, it can be recertified. And one thing led to another, and the NFL eventually told Antonio Brown last night, despite some confusion previously about whether or not the NFL would have allowed it. As of last night, the NFL informed Brown, I'm told, that if he finds a shut air advantage that can be certified that is less than 10 years old, he can wear that helmet, even though... The NFL had been taking the position he can't wear that helmet. It's not among the prohibited models. I think it fell into a loophole, into a little bit of a gulf there. Because it was discontinued in 2011, they never determined whether or not it could be or should be on the banned helmets list. So if he can find one, he can wear it, Chris. And and amazing how things work out sometimes. But for 2009, if there was one made that year... That would still be in the window. They were discontinued. I'm told 2011, I saw John Crick of the Toronto Sun insisting that they were discontinued in 2009. So this may be the last year that Antonio Brown could wear a shut air advantage, but then he would have the whole offseason to get accustomed to a new helmet. Yeah, so I'm just counting through my hands. If 2009, right, you're still allowed to wear it in 2009? Wouldn't we be at the 10-year point right now? More than 10 years old. I mean, I guess it's when it's made in 2009, 2009, 2010. And if they did make them into 2011, he could, in theory, find one he could wear for three more seasons. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, hey, this is amazing. I mean, I'm shocked that nobody stumbled upon this earlier. So great job by our reader, Tim. Okay. Um, I want to know from you, what do you think happens? Does he find a helmet? One. And then two, does he actually find it? Or does someone end up supplying it to him, uh, you know, via this whole circus that's going on? I know as of last night, Antonio Brown's camp was looking for a shut air advantage less than 10 years old. Whether or not they find one on eBay or elsewhere remains to be seen. But yeah, if I've got one 
If I'm a school, if I'm a football program anywhere, if I'm shut and I kept some of these around, right, just because they're not making them doesn't mean they don't have any in a warehouse somewhere. Somehow, Antonio Brown's going to end up with a shut air advantage helmet that will fit. Somewhere there's got to be a shut air advantage helmet that will fit him that is less than 10 years old. Yeah, I, I would think so. I would think that there's somewhere out there, and and I'm sure there's a lot of uh, Antonio Brown fans or football fans in general that if they, you know, who might have played high school, college football, have their old helmet, they're going to go check if they knew they had a shut shut helmet. Um, so I, I, that's another thing. That's, Chris, Chris, yeah. Chris, don't be naive. There are a lot of capitalists out there that would like to make a little bit of money of course from they would, selling a shut air advantage helmet to Antonio Brown. Yeah, sure. I, I, right. And I mean, I, I don't know how much you're going to be able to sell it for, but either way, I would think Antonio Brown's going to be very grateful to where you're going to get a lot of signed, signed memorabilia and maybe some tickets to some games and some other things, uh, maybe with a picture on social media that all go along with it that'll add to the incentive for somebody finding it. Chris, you know what you can sell it for? Yeah. You know what you can sell it for? Whatever he'll pay for it. That's the price. It's a negotiation. kind of desperate for it. How badly do you want this shut air advantage, Antonio Brown? So this could get, look, this could get very, it's already been beyond interesting. It's not over. And uh, we'll see how the rest of this thing plays out. All right. We have to see how the rest of the Andrew Luck situation plays out. Jim Irsay, who I expected would announce yesterday that, Andrew Luck will be ready to go for week one of the 2019 season like he did back in 2017, a season in which Andrew Luck didn't play at all. Ursay told Sirius XM NFL Radio on Monday that there is a little bone issue in the calf muscle problem that Andrew Luck is dealing with. It's not an Achilles because everybody's thinking now if you have a calf problem, you're going to tear your Achilles tendon like Kevin Durant did. But still, what's the bone issue? Is it where the calf is attaching to the bone? Is it what 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 is the problem with this calf that is creating a little bone issue or is being caused by that? How do you fix it? How do you get the guy back? This is just more questions that need to be answered, and the clock is ticking on the start of the regular season. Yeah, this this adds another area of intrigue because we've been told calf muscle, calf muscle, soft tissue. You think soft tissue, even with a bone issue. I mean, I don't think you are or even with like, you know, how you're saying where the muscle attaches to the bone. I still don't think you would say it's a bone issue. I think, you you know, ultimately you would say it's still a muscle issue there. So I am surprised to hear this. Uh, I really am. And, and I, I know we talked about it on the show earlier, but when I hear this type of thing, along with three MRIs to figure out a calf injury, okay, that's that's odd in itself. And here we are into the third week of, of training camp, and we're taking no reps, and nobody's had any answers for us, and he's been resting it for four months. You know, again, I'm not a doctor and I don't know these things, but that that leads me to believe that maybe there's a little stress fracture or something like that, that, you know, doesn't need a cast, doesn't need a boot, maybe just needs more rest, whatever it may be. I don't know, but I'm very intrigued because this is a team that I think a lot of people are putting in the Super Bowl conversation, uh, you know, and I understand that completely. And it's a quarterback who's healthy all year last year and played like one of the five best quarterbacks in all of football. And so this is a big deal. Yeah. And I mean, this guy is a giant and he is an incredible quarterback when he's healthy. He's just had issues the past few years, getting healthy, staying healthy. And this is now something new that has been there since April. He's practiced three times. It hasn't healed. And, you know, Chris, you from time to time complain about the quality of the overall medical diagnosis right. and treatment that is I mean how does it take this long to figure out what's going on and to fix it I know they, they, they've got 
millions invested in the ability of these guys to play. What's going on with these NFL teams that they're not on the cutting edge and not instantly, like when you take a car now to the shop, they plug something in, they instantly know what's wrong. Shouldn't they have technology like that to find out what's wrong with an athlete? No, well, they need to start paying more to these guys. That's the biggest issue. And yeah, they don't stay up to date on all the cutting edge technology. That's why you see so many athletes go to specialized doctors. And because of that, these specialized, you know, doctors or body mechanics and all of that, the NFL is not paying that much. They're not going to go, oh, I want to go work for an NFL team and work, you know, 18 hours a day and deal with trying to keep 53 men, 53 people healthy when they can go, I can just work on 10 people a day and make 10 times the more money. And that's another issue. It was an issue with my own injury when I lost my spleen. That's what really opened my eyes to it. It is still kind of prehistoric as far as what the NFL tries to do and their rehab and their thought and their process there. It's not up to date with some of the more cutting edge guys that are out there and, you know, involved in other sports and training guys, you know, personally and doing all that. It's definitely an issue for the NFL. Andrew Luck not practicing because he's injured. Trent Williams not practicing in Washington because he's not there, because he's upset with the team. He wants out. Adam Schefter of ESPN reported on Monday night that Washington is not flinching. There have been multiple attempts to initiate trade conversations. Washington has rebuffed all of them. Chris, look, I don't agree with how Washington's handling this because if there's an issue with Trent Williams, go solve it. And if it's not solvable, then you move on and you get what you can for him. I don't feel like they're trying to solve the problem with him. I don't feel like they're being realistic about it. And I think they're just being stubborn and hard-headed. They think the $40,000 per day in, in fines is going to cause him to show up. I don't think it's going to work. And I think this thing is just going to linger into the regular season and possibly beyond. No. And, you know, again, if, if you want to massage the relationship and get them to come back to work, you're really going to threaten them with $40,000? I mean, more times than not, that does not that does not take place with, with superstar players and these type of instances. And obviously there's an issue here with Trent Williams. Mike, I, I, I brought it up on, you know, my Unbutton podcast last week or maybe it was the week before. I had heard these same things that – the Washington Redskins had no intention of trading Trent Williams, that there was a market and that they weren't shopping him and they weren't taking phone calls and they're still holding strong to that. But I think the biggest inkling that we've seen yet that Trent Williams, other than just saying or we're hearing that he doesn't want to come back, the biggest thing to me is that Donald Penn, uh, left tackle for the Oakland Raiders in previous years, signed with the Washington Redskins. I don't think Donald Penn would have signed with the Washington Redskins if he knew Trent Williams is going to be back or if he was going to be a backup. I just don't see that. I know Donald Penn. I played with him in Tampa. Uh, he's at the time of his career where he's either playing or he's sitting his butt at home. And I know there was talk that he had reached out to Trent Williams. So all of those things just add up to he must have got an answer from Trent Williams like, hey, yeah, go sign with the team. There ain't no way I'm coming back so you can be the left tackle. And it doesn't look good, and I don't know what the Redskins are going to do. They might as well open up the trade talks because it doesn't look good for them. And let's consider how this all came to be. Trent Williams is upset reportedly, and there have been multiple reports, and I've heard some of the same things about the way the team treated, back to the Andrew Luck situation, the way the doctors treated a benign tumor that Trent Williams had on his head. He wasn't happy with the end result of that. He decided he wants out. And if you're going to smooth it over with him, then smooth it over. I remember when Adrian Peterson, after he was suspended for most of the 2014 season, Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman went to Houston, talked to him, 
convinced him to come play for the Vikings again. Like, there's a certain point where you got to swallow your pride and you got to kiss the guy's butt if you want him to show up. You have to show that you care about him. He thinks this organization doesn't care about me. And Washington, in my assessment, based on everything we've seen and heard, has done nothing to change that narrative. And I can see why he doesn't want to be there. I don't think he's going to be there. The only question is whether or not they do trade him before the trade deadline arrives in late October. All right, Melvin Gordon still holding out from the Chargers. And Chris... His holdout is getting more expensive because he's in a different posture than Trent Williams and other guys who are holding out. When you're in the fifth year of your rookie contract, that first-round deal that contains the fifth-year option, the daily fines are not $40,000. they are $30,000. However, if you miss a preseason game, you are fined the amount of a regular season game check. For Melvin Gordon, that's $329,000 on top of the $30,000 per day. Just for last week's game that he missed. For each week, it's another 329000 It's going to be a huge bill that the Chargers eventually can impose on Melvin Gordon. And whether they do or they don't, this is the kind of pressure that may cause him to eventually cave. And I don't see any way out of this box for him. Nobody's trading for him. The Chargers aren't going to pay him. He's going to have to do the Maurice Jones-Drew and just show up at the end of the preseason and say, all right, fine, let's get this done, and I'll be a free agent next year. And I think that's all he can really hope for. I'm with you, Mike. I don't think there's any other avenue. I really don't. Uh, He needs to go out there, play football, stay healthy throughout the whole year, and then, yes, try to strike it rich next year in free agency. But, you know, we've talked about it a lot, and there's there's not a lot of leverage, it looks like, on him on his side of the situation first off is and Philip Rivers commented this and I don't think it was a low blow hey they they got a good running back room they're very comfortable with it they don't feel like their team just falls off the planet because Melvin Gordon's not there and if you watch preseason football last week Austin Eckler looked pretty good once again so that's just going to embolden the Chargers even more let alone there's some knee history with Melvin Gordon and I just yeah I'm with you Mike I don't see how he can win this battle uh I'd like to see him come back you know after preseason game number three and just get himself in tip-top shape and ready to go for week one so he doesn't deal with some other injury pulling a hamstring or a quad or something like that because he's not in football shape once the season rolls around And this is a real dilemma for me because I support the efforts of any player to stand up and get more. They take the risks, short-term and long-term, physical, cognitive, psychiatric risks from just all the issues you have after having played football and separating from the sport and you don't keep making the money the rest of your life like owners do. There is every reason for players to take a stand when they can. The problem is sometimes a guy takes a stand who shouldn't. And I think Melvin Gordon, Chris, falls into the category of a guy who took a stand who shouldn't have taken a stand. He got bad advice because Melvin Gordon is not Ezekiel Elliott. He's not Christian McCaffrey. He's not Saquon Barkley. He is not one of the best running backs in the NFL. And the Chargers very easily can just shrug. And look at what's happened. They tried to make this a big deal four-plus weeks ago. Remember when they they started telling anyone who would listen he's going to hold out if he doesn't get a new contract? Nobody cares. Yeah, right. right? right. Chargers fans don't care about the Chargers. They definitely don't care about Melvin Gordon. This isn't working. At some point, he needs to realize it's not working and make a decision that takes that into account because stubbornness is only going to cost him more and more money. All right. right. The Seattle Seahawks have a receiver that they feel very good about. Russell Wilson has been raving about DK Metcalf. Now, he only had 
one catch for eight yards in the preseason opener. But between Wilson and Coach Pete Carroll, there's been an acknowledgement that he was just a whisker away, DK Metcalf was, from having some really big explosive plays. There is raving about the work ethic, just about everything that he brings to the table. And Chris, I really do think that the humility that comes from falling all the way to the bottom of the second round, that really can fuel this guy. We talked about it with Michael Thomas previously. Falling to round two, it takes away that, you know, guys drafted in the first round as a receiver, maybe he thinks he's a bigger deal than he is, maybe he doesn't work as hard. You drop him to round two, all of a sudden he's pissed off. Yeah. And I feel like that's what DK Metcalf is going to be. And I think the the Seahawks are going to be very happy with what they get out of this. Yeah, they're going to reap the the rewards of him being pissed off. You're right. I mean, and it's just rare because, yeah, he fell in the draft, but – I don't think anybody would argue he was in the conversation for two or three of the freakiest guys we saw in the NFL combine. So I'm not shocked to hear rave reviews. Again, you know, I know there was a little bit of a a neck injury history that scared teams away, but I think ultimately what scared teams away was not really DK Metcalf. It was Ole Miss and the disaster of an offense they had and not such good quarterback play. And the fact that Ole Miss, you know, DK Metcalf, Mike, I truly watched games with DK Metcalf and I was going, are they trying not to give him and A.J. Brown, the two best players on the team, the ball? I mean, it was like they were looking for everybody else in the pass game except for the two freakiest guys on their football team. It was very frustrating. It actually gets me hot just talking about it right here. And I think that led all of these things led to the DK, DK Metcalf fall. But, uh, yeah, I look at this as kind of being a, you know, up yours, the rest of the NFL tour by DK Metcalf within the next few years. And I, I expect him to play a big role in that team right now who doesn't they don't have a receiver like him you know and of course Doug Baldwin's not there they got Lockett on one side who's kind of a smaller jitterbug type guy now you got DK Metcalf who can just run by people with pure speed but of course catch all those jump balls and 50 50 balls we talk about so much I'm surprised you didn't throw a Joe Boo in there when you set up yours. up your butt Joe Boo <laughs> yo bartender <laughs> <Here's> a, <laughs> Joe Boo needs a refill yes he does uh, hey um Here's the thing, though, about DK Metcalf. Durability is a concern, and yeah. also the route running. And, and I don't want to knock the kid because I like him, but he posted a video of a 10-yard out a few weeks ago, and uh, you can see why there are concerns about his route running. It's got a big loop to it. I mean, when you see the guys who really run the routes with the stop and the start and the cut, it, it's almost robotic. Uh, with DK Metcalf, it was, hey, I'm really fast. Oh, wait, i got to do this right turn. Let me do this big looping yeah. right. That's not the crisp tenure. He's got a lot of work to do to be a complete receiver. But he's willing to put in the work. That's yes. the key. And with the right. encouragement of guys like Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll, maybe he can get there. We have gotten to the end of this edition of PFT OT. Chris, you had a new uh, Unbuttoned podcast yesterday. When's the next one? Then we'll do another one tomorrow. We're going to do Wednesday this week. I got to travel Thursday, so it'll be out Wednesday night, Thursday morning, right around that, that time frame. So still two a week. Oh, yeah, two a week. We're not going to go to three until the regular season starts. Uh, and then, you know, I'll, I'll devote one to reaction on Monday, things like that. Wednesday will be a big film breakdown. And then Thursday will be pick games and have fun and that kind of thing. All right. Well, we'll look forward to that in the regular season, which will be here before you know it. There's a new PFTPM from yesterday as well. You can check that out. And all day long, new stories, new content, new everything at ProFootballTalk.com. We'll see everyone back here on Wednesday. See ya.